Asia Tech Podcast with Graham Brown and Michael Waits. Well, we're talking about the ATP Power Ranking, celebrating all that's good in the Asian tech startup ecosystem. My name is Graham Brown, joined by Michael Waits. Michael, how are you doing? I am doing super, and I'm pretty excited about this as well. We've been talking about this for a while, and I think like now is the exactly right time to do it. What do we have, like October, November, December? We've got a quarter left, right? This is right. when people start thinking about stuff like this, right? Who's been amazing? Yeah, exactly. Who has been? And not just who, but which city? We go through the criteria for what the power rankings are in a minute, right? Which yeah. VC fund? We've got it all covered. Yeah, I mean, how many categories do we have? Uh, we've got six categories. Right. It feels like the right number. It does. Six is the right number. And basically what we're doing is, I mean, we started off originally, didn't we? Say, Let, let's pick the people. But then we realized that the people weren't enough. So the people who were making the biggest contribution to the Asian tech startup ecosystem and growing it in 2017, we wanted to celebrate those people because they weren't necessarily the self-promoters, were they? No. As a matter of fact, I think I think you'll see over time, right, is that some of these people are people you may not have heard of, but right. sometimes the people that are doing the most important stuff are operating in the background. And some of them are in the background, some of them aren't, but there's a whole bunch of people. There's a, and I had, a, I had lunch with somebody yesterday and we talked about this as well. There's a whole group of people that are just promoting, self-promoting, and maybe they're not actually getting that much done. Maybe they are, and that's mm -hmm. okay, right? But there's a whole bunch of people that are out there that you might not have heard of that have just like nose to the grindstone and they're getting stuff done. Exactly. So we want to celebrate them. So let's talk about the categories and then talk about, I guess we've got to talk about why we're doing that, right? And then what we plan to do once we do this vote, right? Yeah. So why why are we doing this and why are we doing it now? Yeah, that's the big question, the why question. Well, it, this is really about Asia, isn't it? This is about trying to map out the Asian tech ecosystem because things have changed so fast, not just tech, but startup, right? In the last five or six years i mean you've been right at the heart of it michael i'm a late yeah i mean yeah i mean well you're not really a late comer, but the stuff that we've seen over the past five years there's like no comparison to what's happening today than what was happening let's just say right at the beginning of 2012 we're five years into a cycle that is probably 15 to 20 years long and and i think we're really just we're really right at the beginning of it because the first five years are just kind of feeling it out who are going to be the most important people where are they going to be and why are they going to be there, right? Um, and, you know, some of these people, we want to get a little bit more meta, right? So are, who are the best funds? Yeah. So who are the best investors as well, right? I mean, I'm just going to go through these really quickly and then we'll hit each one of them in more detail. Let's do it. But how do, and how do you build the community? Well, some of that community building is around events. There are good events, there are bad events, there are big ones, there are small ones, but what are the best ones? And then let's define what, what the best event means, right? So what are you getting out of it? We can talk about that too. And then where's everybody doing the work? So if you're in, pick a city, Fukuoka, where are you working? Hmm. What's your office? Do you have an office? Are you in a co-working space? I think a lot of people start off in co-working spaces, right? A lot of your startups have. I know I did. And I actually gained a lot from doing that. But what was the best one? And what defines what, I bet, what the best one is? And then finally, you know, it's what we do. What's the best media for not just promoting? Because promotion's easy, right? Anybody can write a press release. That's simple. Hmm. Um, and to be fair, like you can automate that. But where's the best journalism? Where's the best media? Where are the people that are really supporting from a media perspective who the, who the other sort of five categories are in the Asian tech ecosystem and in the startup ecosystem? 
Yeah, and, and I think those those are sort of the five, the six major categories. Like you said, we originally started with just people, and then we thought about cities, but it's really a combination of all of them, right? Mm. And let's talk about what the actual criteria is are. So it's not just the most well-known, it's not the most powerful. What exactly is it we're trying to achieve here? So when we talk about people in our rankings, or we talk about events in our rankings what exactly are we trying to gauge and score here as i said not just yeah, the I mean, most I, famous people because we just you know you're throwing jack ma from alibaba and exactly you know the names that everybody knows but what are we trying to do here what are we ranking right right and, and to be fair you know jack ma is a great example but like does he really have a day-to-day impact on the growth and sort of the breadth of the ecosystem I think you can make the case that that would have been true five years ago when Alibaba was a much smaller company and they were kind of sweating like every kind of day and just trying to exist like everybody else. But I think as these things improve over time, those companies get bigger over time. It's the the people that are having the most impact on a day-to-day basis changes. And I don't think it's Jack Ma anymore, right? And I think that it's some kind of combination of, you know, what's the impact, and how do you how do you measure that impact, right? It's like, are you trying to build a pie that's just for yourself? Are you trying to be inclusive and collaborative? I think that's really important. And if you are, are you helping other people benefit? Or are you hoarding resources? Are you trying to sort of split off from the rest of the ecosystem and just make sure that you're surviving and that you're excelling and that your competition, if there is competition, is dying out? Like, is that what makes you happy? So when you help a startup, when you build an event, when you invest in companies, right? When you pick a city in which to live, when you build a co-working space, when you use your access to the media, are you doing it in a way that's inclusive, in a way that's helpful, in a way that's supportive, or are you doing it just to sort of self-promote and help yourself? And I think it's more important, and you can pipe in as well, but I think this whole concept of sort of collaboration and building the whole ecosystem, Mm. which seemed really obvious five years ago when things were earlier, but feels a little bit less obvious today, as things are starting, and I say starting like strongly, as things are starting to mature, and I think it's really important not to forget like if you w- things are still growing here and they can grow faster if everybody's working together and that pie gets bigger and bigger. So who are the people that are doing that? And they're really focused on that, not just helping themselves, but helping everybody. And you can see it kind of in their day-to-day activity. And I think from a people perspective, those are the things that I'm trying to think about when I think about who is, really has the most impact. It doesn't mean you have to be selfless. I think it doesn't mean you're not trying to make money, right? This is not about like creating a, you know, a communist style ecosystem. It's just who's really helping out. And you can be someone that's super successful. It can be someone you've never heard of, right? But someone who's consistently supporting. Right. And, and that support it could simply be having a great story, right? If they've had a story yeah. where they've overcome, if they're a pioneer in their space. You know, they could be the first of that type of person to be successful as a startup. It could be anything, right? And that alone is helping other people. Not necessarily the person who's getting up on the soapbox and saying, hey, look at me, look at what I'm doing, right? Yeah, I mean, so a guy like Warren Lowe is a really good example of this, right? You know, somebody should add him to the list, right? He's not super famous, but he's super effective at helping build the ecosystem. And then there's Cheryl Yeoh and there's, you know, Nicola Crossley-Jones. But there's a whole bunch of people that are doing this They're out there trying to build things and sort of bring people together in a community. And that type of stuff is super useful. Um, And we want to find out who these people are. We want to go through a list of those people. And and I think part of the idea is 
you know, we say this a lot. We don't know. We don't have an answer for everything, right? And that's one of the reasons why we've kind of created a base list of people that we think are interesting. Yeah. But when you go to vote, and we want people to vote, right? And what's the what's the idea for the voting? Like, right. why do why do we want to do that? Okay, so let's talk a little bit about the technical aspect of voting here. So, with all of these categories, of so the six categories, you pick three, up to three. Right. So you go out and pick three names of people that you think should be in the rankings. That's the starting yep. point. You could yep. also add a name. So, as Michael said, if you want to put a name on there that isn't on the list, right? And that's the key here is that we don't have all the names and we as michael says i was just starting a base list just to get the thing going you can nominate yourself if you want to you can nominate your yeah. own vc fund your own co-working space whatever it doesn't matter just get it on the list and other people can vote for it so that's the technical aspect of voting it's not like we have provided you with the definitive list of five finalists and you've got to choose between no way them. right you know we're just two people we're just two guys in the ecosystem who have some with kind of opinion. influence right and an opinion yeah. But we are not the final judges in all of this, right? No. No, and the numbers will speak for themselves. We're not going to go and massage these numbers, right? Right. The way people vote is the way people vote. And the more people that vote, the better. And the more people that actually add and nominate people to get voted on, the better this whole process will be. Yeah. And I'm sure they're going to get pe- there will be people that are left off this list. And if you're mad about it, if you're pissed off about it, add somebody. Good. They yeah. may not be that you may add get them too mad. late. Get even. <laughs> Yeah, get mad and, and get even, exactly. And if you see someone, if you know someone that's not on the list, you don't see them there, add them. If you don't, it's your fault. Yeah, and it's real simple. You only have to go in and, and just log in with your LinkedIn details or the LinkedIn social sign-in. So we try to keep it easy. We thought, well, you know, should people sign up to our uh, website? It was just too difficult. But with LinkedIn, you just click the button. It authorizes you. LinkedIn keeps all your details. So we don't get any of your login details. You just go there with your LinkedIn account, because we thought, well, you know, you've got to have some kind of authenticity here. You can't have like 10,000 bots coming in and voting for Kim Jong-un or whatever it may be. <laughs> yeah, let's not do that. Right. I mean, that, that's... You know, some people would. Exactly. That, that is where it's open to being gamed, right? So with LinkedIn, we can kind of reduce the chances of that and it, just keep it easy for people. And you can go back as well. I mean, if you voted, you can go back in and change your vote. You can update your vote, whatever, because you're, you know, you've got the LinkedIn cookie there. So we kept it real easy. I mean, the only, you know, Michael says we're not going to, you know, doctor the vote. The only time we'll ever step in is if, like I said, you know, Kim Jong-un appears on the people who contributed to the startup rankings poll. And, he, you know, he suddenly gets 10,000 votes. I mean, you know, that's the only reason we're going to get involved. And that's for everybody's benefit, right? Yeah. Why is guys not welcome? Exactly. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, we do the same thing. Like, there are comments on the site, too, and we love getting comments, but sometimes the comments are, you know, they're bot-generated or it's a little bit of insanity. We curate. We we own the right to curate. Right. Um, we don't want silliness, right? Where do you want this to go? I mean, this is, this is a bit of fun, and it's an interesting project, but there's a serious element to it as well, Michael, right? But where do you want to see this go? Because we'll round this up December the 31st, 2017, and we'll award the awards what comes next? What, what do you want to see come out of this that makes it all worthwhile? Well, what I really want to see is I want to see people gunning for this every year. I want this to be a place where, you know, at the end of the year, people are excited, they're psyched up to be the sort of ATP person of the year. Yeah. The person who had the most impact. I want the venture capitalist to say, 
you know, people are watching us. They're looking at the things that we invest in. They're looking at the companies that we support. Were we the best? Did we do the things we said we were going to do? Did we invest in the companies we said we were going to invest in? Mm. Um, you know, and as a city, you know, we've been to a couple of these cities already, right? We went to Shanghai. I live in Bangkok. You're in Tokyo. We, we visited Fukuoka. You actually visited there twice. Are you living up to, and we already asked this question on our blog, right? Are, we, are you living up to the hype you create for yourself as a city? Um, and what are you willing to do to get better every year? What are you willing to do just to keep up every year? Like, what are the table stakes? Because they'll change. And we talked about this too, particularly when, it, let's, let's talk a little bit about the cities, right? We, um, you know, we went through this whole concept and this whole process of, you know, do we measure internet speeds? And then, you know, do we measure like the number of this stuff? And it's all this kind of stuff. And we just figured, you know what? A lot of this stuff is table stakes. Where do people really want to do a startup? Yeah. Right, because the government's going to have different reactions. They're going to have different support programs. Every government is either going to be really interactive or they're going to be slightly standoffish. But in both cases, or in many cases, they're going to have impact on the ecosystem. And which one do you like better? And how does that impact where you live, right? So in Fukuoka, do you want to live near the ocean? Do you want to be in Phuket? It's not on our list, right? Is all the money that's sloshing around Singapore, is that the most important thing to you? Or is like living in Shanghai where you have access to the Chinese market? Or is it slightly backed up? Like, I'm in Hong Kong, I have access to China, but I'm not living in China. You know, do you want to live with the logistical challenges of being in Jakarta, or do you prefer the pace of Chiang Mai to build your company? All these things matter. But sort of the table stakes are, is the internet good? You know, is the government just really out of the way? They're not getting, they're not impeding the progress of building a startup. You know, visas are visas. There's a way around this in almost every country. But the real question is, what's the best place that's going to help me facilitate it? Where do I want to wake up every day and why? And we want to get past sort of, like we said already, like these little metrics of, you know, I have 18 megabits up and down or 23 because there's really no difference there, right? Mm. And to be fair, when you're building a company, you know, everyone has going to have fiber access to the internet. Everyone's going to have mobile access. Like all that kind of stuff, like we said, is table stakes. That's just normal stuff. But what is it about a specific city that makes you want to live there? Right. And again, I was interviewing someone today or talking to someone today and they were like, you know, talking about the Japanese ecosystem. And they said the founders that are in Fukuoka will stay in Fukuoka. They built a really good ecosystem down there. But the founders in Osaka, once they get good, they'll move to Tokyo. Yeah. Right. So Osaka is probably not going to end up on this list. But if you're talking about Japan, maybe it's Tokyo, maybe it's Fukuoka. But there are reasons for both cities. But you can add Osaka to the list if you want, right? Yeah, you could, but I guess my point is, and, and somebody probably will, but my, my point is just the commentary from this guy was interesting in the sense that, you know, if you live if you live and do a startup in Fukuoka, you're likely to go to Tokyo if you want to have big corporate clients, but you're not likely to move there. Whereas in Osaka, it's a push, right? Because you're just living in one gigantic sort of bustling city or another, and if you're going to be dealing with Tokyo clients every day, you might as well just move there because your lifestyle is not going to be that different. Mm. But here's a perfect example of, your lifestyle in Fukuoka is going to be very different than it would be in Tokyo and super different than it would be in Osaka. So what do you prefer? And okay, that's uh, kind of what we want to find out, yeah? Time to commit, Michael. I want to pull you out <laughs> on the soil a little bit here with the uh, best startup city. We won't talk about people because it's a bit unfair on air. Yeah, I don't want to do that. I don't want to influence anybody on a city. But for me, and again, it's a little bit of me talking my own position. I'll pick three cities pick in no particular cities. order. In no particular order. This is Michael Waits telling you what he believes is the best startup city in Asia in 2017. Yeah, and I have and I have reasons. And we can go over these reasons over the next few weeks or over the next few months, right, as we start to see 
votes come in and I, we can comment on them, right? So we should yeah. look at this, I think, you know, frequently enough so that we can have commentary on it. But for me, you know, and I live in Bangkok, so it is what it is. But I think Bangkok is one of the best startup cities in the region mm-hmm. um, for a bunch of different reasons, which we can get into later. Jakarta as well, just access to a massive market. The government there does the right things, as we talked about. Um, the potential there is huge. And then Shanghai, because I think at some level you have to have access to China. And I think that just the competition, the funding, all the all the things that work, work really well there. Yeah. Um, and obviously your market size is gigantic. But again, it's offset by super competition, right? Where the, you know, the I like to say that Thailand in um, in general, but Bangkok in particular, it's like the Goldilocks city, right? It's not too, it's not too hard, not too easy. Not too hot, not too cold. It's like everything here is just just right. Mm. And that makes it a great place to do a startup. So those are my three cities, right? Bangkok, Shanghai, and Jakarta. Bangkok, Shanghai, Jakarta. is That's very interesting. Here's mine, which are completely different. And it's interesting because we speak all the time. And we've been to yeah, a I mean, number of cities together, right? But our choices are right. very different. So for me, Singapore, Hong Kong, Fukuoka. Wow! <laughs> which is that, completely different actually... regions, right? But it's kind that's of, actually honest surprise. Well, it's kind of interesting, right? That you know your you know your criteria for selecting a, a startup city is based a lot on the size, the potential growth of that market. You like frontier markets, right? If you think about it, Jakarta, yeah, I want Bangkok, I want it to be a little hard because yeah, right. I want it to be a little hard. I want someone to succeed. I want them to be challenged, right? Right, right. Whereas I've picked markets where there's a very established infrastructure: <laughs> Singapore, Hong Kong, Fukuoka, right? You know, these are three where you're going to get the best internet speeds. You're going to have they, they got the best infrastructure. They're the most developed. So that's I mean it's kind of interesting, isn't it? I mean even though we're seeing the same startups week in week out talking about the same things, but nobody's right or wrong here. It's just that we have different needs and wants that we want to get out of a city, right? Yeah, and it's weird. Like I feel like I could argue with you about this until I'm blue in the face, and you wouldn't change your mind, and, <laughs> no. vice, and vice versa, right? And, and, I might come and I slow actually, over to your position, but those three pretty much are my strongest ones, right? Yeah, I mean, I, and again, I have no particular bias against Singapore or Hong Kong. And I, you know, obviously I love Fukuoka, but I just think it lags. And yeah, we could spend an hour talking just about that. Right, right, but right. interesting. And, and I do find it interesting as well. Like you say, like we talk every single day and sometimes more than once a day. And yet we completely disagree on this. <laughs> we don't have one city in common. Right. That's weird, I think. It is strange. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what the the whole of Asia thinks, right? You know, because they're all going yeah, to come in with different and, opinions. And there is no right answer here. That's, that's the cool thing about all of this. Yeah, and in a way, like I want people's sort of patriotism, for lack of a better term, to their city to come through here. Like if you're living in Yangon and you're not voting for Yangon as the best startup city like if you're voting for Chiang Mai instead because you think it's better for like digital nomads, then either A, you should move to Chiang Mai or you should change your vote. Mm. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like I'd be really disappointed if somebody from Hong Kong was voting for Singapore or if somebody who lives in Singapore is voting for Saigon and not voting for Singapore. Like I really want people to sort of vote with their feet. I think it's really important. And that's why I kind of had to put but I believe it. Like that's one of the reasons why I live here, right? That's right, I, right. I mean, you Bangkok is a Bangkok, great right? place to do this. But you, you could have moved to Bangkok and had, like, with any city, a negative experience, right? You might you sure could, you could have moved there and said, "No, this just isn't right for my startup." So you know, it's valid that you can live in Bangkok and vote 
for somewhere else, right? I mean, you have to vote for three anyway, so you're going to have to pick two other cities. Yeah, for sure. But again, those cities that I did pick actually are similar enough in yeah. scope and in size, right? Jakarta, Shanghai. Obviously, Shanghai is going to be the biggest, but not massively bigger. It's just a bigger country. So in percentage terms, it's probably either close or smaller to population size. Anyway, those are my three. And I, like I said, I think it's actually kind of funny in a way that we're just so different. Right. And by the way, I know this is early days. I won't go into the numbers, but Singapore and Hong Kong are leading. That's actually quite funny. <laughs> <laughs> Touche. There you go. But it's such early days. I mean, you know, we're, we're just kicking off, so. And I'm happy to lose this because I still feel like I'm right. <laughs> <laughs> you get the golden vote, do you? Yeah, no, I don't. But I can still feel in my own little world that I'm still right, right even right. if everybody disagrees with me. All right, well, those are cities. Do you want to talk about any of the other criteria? I mean, the other polls? We've got events, co-working spaces. Yeah, so have... let's talk about the next one, investors, Thesis, venture yeah. capitalists, right? So, And, and it, it runs across stage, right? So we've put a few here, but I, but I think the list is much longer. And I think the real idea here is you know, we believe, or at least I believe, so I'll speak for myself. You can jump in whenever you feel like you want to, but I think money is a commodity. Mm. I really do. And I, and I think that we're going to reach a point in, in Asia, just like they have in the United States, where the, the sort of the startups get to choose which venture capitalists with whom they want to partner, right? Because they all have, all, they all have money, all the investors have money, but some of these startups really are amazing. And by choosing to work with an investor, it's like, is that investor going to get in the way? Or I can think of plenty, of plenty of times where an angel investor has put money in and then they've choked a company to death. It's really horrible, actually. Um, so how do you prevent that from happening? You've got plenty of the venture capitalists who say, you know, take our money and we have, a, you know, we have connectivity and we have mentors that can help you in every city. Um, and we've built an infrastructure of our own, not just with our own investment company, but with partners, not just here, but in India and all this other noise, right? And we're the bridge between this ecosystem and some other ecosystem, whether that's regional or global. You hear all this stuff. So, like, let's have a vote on it. Let's actually find out, right? Because I, th I do think the bit's going to flip at some point. Right now, I think the venture capitalists in Asia actually have most of the leverage, and I think that's going to change. Like I said, money's a commodity, but building a great startup and building a great company, that's never going to be a commodity. Never. What are we looking for? When voting for VC funds, what are the criteria that makes a good venture capitalist beyond, so, you know, okay, well, everybody knows Sequoia or everybody knows Benchmark? Sure. So for me, it's like you all, a lot of the venture capitalists will say they have a big value add. So prove it. Like, what's your value add? Right. You say, we've got, a, we've got global mentors at your disposal. Great. But can I really talk to them? Or do they really have time for me? Do they really do what they say they're going to do? Hmm. Right, and, and a lot of them do actually, but I want to. I want the actual. What's really interesting about this category is I want the founders to vote, and no one will know, right? It's anonymous, so it's not like you don't even have to vote for the people that funded you. And I think in some cases, a lot of the founders would vote for the people that didn't fund them as being better, yeah. because they tell they can tell, right? It's like having a very desirable person that you want to be your friend, and once they become your friend, you find out they're a major pain in the butt. And yeah. I think it's the same thing here. So like. How supportive are you? How helpful are you in getting my next round of funding? What did you do to help me grow this company? Mm. You know, all the growth hacking and stuff that you said you could help me do, your expansion into other markets, can you help me do that? Right? I don't know anybody in Vietnam. Can you help me expand to Vietnam? Is that really true? Because that's what you said you could do. Right? And it's pretty obvious because a lot of these 
VCs, a lot of the venture capitalists, have a public persona. And I don't mean the individuals that are in them. I mean the firm themselves, right? In other words, let us invest in you and we'll help you go regional. But we also know everybody in Silicon Valley so we can help you go global. Sure. You know, let me see it. Right? Because you hear it a lot and then you see these companies take money from a VC and then they get buried or the VC just disappears. Hmm. They don't have the capacity, right? And... You know, people have heard me say this before, but I think there's an optimal number of investments you can make every year. And I don't think it's in like the 50s to 100 because I just don't think there's any way to build a proper infrastructure that can support helping them out. Hmm. And if you're not going to do that, that's fine. But kind of don't advertise yourself that way. So I think that there's a way to let the rankings speak for themselves. In other words, you know, do you say what you do and do you do what you say you're going to do? And I think for, for me, that's really important. And you make a good point as well early on about this is that you don't have to vote for the people that have funded you if for any reason you don't want to. And the key here is that all of these votes are anonymous, even though it's only matched to LinkedIn for the sake of authenticity, but only LinkedIn knows those details. You know, if you vote on somebody for somebody, nobody will know apart from you that you've done that. So that's key here is that, you know, everything's treated with anonymity. We won't know. I mean, I can't go in and see Michael's votes. Right? No, I mean, I told you, I told you who my, what my cities are, but you won't know who I vote for the best person, the best venture capitalist, and for the other categories. Yeah. You just okay. won't know, and you shouldn't know, really, to be yeah. fair, because it'll skew it and people will game it, and that's not really the idea. The idea is, you know, so every year, just figure out who are the people in specific categories or who are the teams in specific categories that have had the most impact. And I guess to a certain extent, some of that impact can be negative, but you want it to be as positive as possible, right? Yeah, yeah, sure. Excellent. Well, um, those VC funds. Do you have any favorites that you want to talk about? Oh, is that sort of something you want to play close to your chest, those cards? You want to actually name name some decent, name some good ones that you think we should look out for? Yeah, I mean, I think, and they're on the list, right? And this is probably the reason why they're on the list. But I think Jungle Ventures is just a bunch of really smart people trying to do the right thing. Yeah. I really do. And I think similar to, um, you know, similar to some of your best venture capitalists in the United States, they're not out promoting themselves all the time. I think it's, a, it's an intellectual team that is prone to thinking rather than self-promotion. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of the way I like to look at it. That's my bias, right? Everyone knows. And my biases are pretty well known because I state them before I make a statement, right? Um, I, don't like, I don't like, you know, very specific ways that certain investors behave and also the way they invest. But I think what the Jungle team has done and has built in a considered and a sort of determined way over time, they're, they're like a great model for me. So I'm willing to go out and say that. And we know this, right? So we spoke to some of the – and you don't have to comment either, right? Because you can have your own opinions. But we spoke to a seed company, um, Seed Plus, right, that they funded as well. We talked to who? Michael Smith and Tiang Lim Fu. Yep. And I was impressed, frankly, with that team as well. But I, And I'll consider that and let them argue with me, and that's fine if I'm making a mistake. But it's sort of like the super seed early stage funding and early stage um, investment vehicle for jungle. Cause it's mostly funded by jungle ventures. And I just think, like I said, and this is kudos to them, right? I spoke to both of them. You did as well, but I just think it's a team that likes to think more than it likes to talk. And mm-hmm. for me, that's, that's hugely beneficial, right? It reminds me of some of the people that I worked with when I was at Morgan Stanley and Goldman Sachs. And again, that's just part of my bias, right? But I'll go out on a limb and say that that's the one team that I would probably vote for. 
And I li- like to look for other teams that are doing a similar thing, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, best VC fund in Asia, get voting. It's poll number three. Best event. Do you have a, a yeah, particular so, position on what kind of events you like going to or not like going to, importantly? Yeah, so I think if you're just joining an ecosystem, um, I think it's really important for an individual to go to a bunch of the biggest yeah. events. And the reason why is because there's a good cross-section of people, there's a good cross-section of startups, there's a good cross-section of venture capitalists. And it also allows you to see, like, what does a big event look like? How hard is it to do this? Right? Because some of the people that run some of these events will be in sort of the person category, in the first category that we discussed. And, the, you know, one of the questions there is, are those people building an event that is inclusive and that actually helps build the ecosystem? Or are they trying to, like, hoard data, hoard information, and trying to make themselves look good? And, you know, again, I'm not going to comment on that necessarily, but I think it's really important as you join an ecosystem, right? So if you're if you're from Europe and you're coming to the United States, sure, go to go to the Echelon events, go to the Tech in Asia events. I think it's really important, right? Um, but after a while, I think the bigger the event is over time, I think the less effective it is. And again, that's just a personal bias. Mm. So for my money, I think it's better go to an event with forty people that are there. Right, and, and these are the events that people, aren't necessarily well known are they so that's kind of one of the reasons why we want this vote so we can identify those smaller events as well right give them some yeah and and, yeah we only put four things there because we don't know all the events and we can we can go through you know eventbrite we can go look at them but there's stuff happening every weekend right and again this morning i was at um the bangkok breakfast network and i'm just continually impressed with the stuff that nikki and the akin asia team does to organize these things they do a bunch of events they'll have six workshops every year like they do some really great stuff but is that the best event it depends you're trying to get out of it um we've we've said this and i'll be on record as saying this too like for me the best events will have somewhere between 30 and 50 people there because it's very targeted and that means you actually have the opportunity to talk to everybody everybody's there for a specific purpose um and in some cases people have paid quite a lot of money to be at that event because of the other people that are going to be there and I don't think that's going to stop. And actually, I think what you're going to see over time, Graham, is, and you tell me if you think I'm wrong, but I think you're going to see more of these targeted events. Yeah. Yeah. Right? As, as, the, as the ecosystem matures, I mean, you identify that the larger events have a good place in that ecosystem for people getting on board, right? And there's a lot of people getting on board these years, right? In the last couple yeah. of years, a lot of people have been getting into a startup ecosystem, but what's happening now is that, you know, people are going to events and saying, okay, right, I need something really targeted. But they don't necessarily know where to find those 40 people events that you mentioned, right? Because they, they're not big self-promoters. And they tend to be by referral or by invite only. Correct. So we want to kind of identify those as well to help those that want to grow. And especially as now, one of the things we're doing with ATP is we're building out some vertical interests just because we've had a lot of really interesting conversations about specific subjects like for example cryptocurrency like artificial intelligence augmented reality biotech whatever it is or even angel investing so we want to build out those specific tracks and you know now we're in a situation where the ecosystem's matured where there's enough interest in that to make that work right and it's the same with the events you know there will be events in these spaces right specifically asia 
and AI or specifically Asia and angel investing. But right. they're not they're going to be below the radar of most people, right? So our job now is to identify them and get them out there, the best ones. So take the risk out of it for everybody to understand which events should they go to, which should they right. target, should they invest their time in. Right. So look, I mean, we talked to Casey Lau and Casey does a great job yeah. of, you know, building and promoting and just developing Rise and some pretty phenomenal things happen at Rise. Right. Oh yeah. And some world famous people go to Rise. And I think that the people that you know that have been there said they really enjoyed it. But if I want to sit around and talk to just people interested in augmented reality, am I going to go to Rise and have to search out those people, which could or could not be there? I don't. I have not been to Rise, so again, I, I don't know. Um. Or should they go to an event that like Jeremy Tissot is doing? That's really just targeted for AR. Right, augmented reality and mixed reality. We're just yeah. the people, in the, that's all they care about. And that's all they want to talk about. It's all they've worked on for the past three to five years. I think in some cases, those events end up being better. So it really just depends what you want to get out of it. But again, those events, we don't know them all. So come and help us figure it out, right? And then add those names or add those events. And there could be you know, 15 of them. We don't know. Because some of these things, like, like I said, like the Akin Asia events happen every other month. So... Mm. Right, so, and that's that not a conference per one se, event? right? You know, I think that's important. Say it again. That's not a yeah. conference per se, right? So we're not just talking about the big conferences. We're talking about any event. It could be a breakfast event. It could be a meetup, whatever. A mastermind, yeah, like, get it in there. Right, like is it just a dinner or a targeted event for angel investors, right? And I think we're going to start to see a lot of that going yeah. on over time. As like I said, people... I wouldn't say get tired of it, but as new people come into the ecosystem, they'll go to the bigger events, right? They'll go to Rise, they'll go to Slush, they'll go to Echelon, stuff like that. But as they kind of determine what their, if they're venture capitalists, sort of what their investment mandate is or their investment thesis is, they'll realize if they're not going to invest in sort of food delivery companies or if they're not going to invest outside the IoT space, why are they going to an event where there are, you know, 15 different verticals? And I think, like we said, they're going to go to a place where there are 40 people that are just into IoT. Yeah. Okay, moving on from events, co-working spaces. Now, this is a great category because we spend a lot of our time at co-working spaces. And I think there's a, there's a real demand, isn't there, for something that lives beyond a flexible office start type model, which is kind of like what co-working spaces started out as. You know, we're going to build more flexible office space for you, flexible workers, right? But I think people realized, actually, we want a bit more than this. And there's such a, a real value add in co-working spaces when it comes to that community side of things, right? And right, and what? Yeah. So I mean, yeah, you know, really the, the point of doing this is to say which co-working spaces have really got it right because each one is like an experiment, isn't it? You know, there's co-working spaces just aimed at, you know, uh, working moms, for example. I've seen those or co-working spaces. My favorite which will get my vote on this particular poll is Hubbard in Bali because it's, uh, you know, it's a thing made out of bamboo in the middle of a rice field, right? Right, right. But it's more than that, right? I mean, it's not, you don't just like it because you want a view of a rice paddy, no, right? No. Which is a great view. But it's the community that goes with it. You know, they have events every day. So I think if you consider every single co-working space is like an experiment, we want to identify which one of those experiments have really worked out and really, you know, from your own experience work for you 
Yeah, and I want to make a little bit of an equivalency. I think the co- so Vincent Setiwan, right, who we spoke to last week, was it last week or the week before? I think it might have been last week. Bangkok. You know, he runs Launchpad in Bangkok, and he was one of the pioneers along with the Hubba team here, right, in in Bangkok and building a co-working space. And he gave us some really interesting feedback. One of which was, you know, don't try to market two things at once, but also don't try to market something that people don't understand. Try to put it in the context of things they already get, right, like flexible office as opposed to a co-working space. But I also think that in that context, I think the co-working spaces are developing the same way that the events are. Yeah, sure. Right, and what does that mean? I think, I like to use the word institutionalized, but most people think you know think of mental hospitals when I say that. So I'll yeah. just say professionalized. <laughs> so I kind of stopped using it. But I think that everything over time just ends up being more professional, right? So when yeah. you first start a co-working space, it's just where a bunch of, you know, ragtag people kind of gather together and, you know, they couldn't afford to work in a regular office. Mm. Their companies weren't big enough or they just didn't know if they were going to last long enough and they just went to a co-working space, which at the beginning, let's be fair, and I'm not saying whether it was the ones that are here or anywhere in the world, but at the beginning it was more just like a glorified coffee shop with a membership, kind of. And over time, it becomes, as people realize what it is and what the benefits are, it actually becomes a place where people gather, mm-hmm. where, you know, you have to make a decision now. Is it an open floor plan? Right? So the original hub was just all on one floor. Launchpad kind of, exp- you know, expanded that whole concept on two floors, and now it's on multiple floors. Mm-hmm. Right? If you go to the work loft in Silom, I'm just talking about Bangkok, that's on four floors. And everybody, most people work in individual offices there. Then you have the hive, which as well was on four floors. But then they put like a, a real restaurant up on the top floor. And then they used to show movies at the end of the day, right? So that, that actually got to be pretty interesting. Mm. But the question is, now is a co-working space even only a place just for startups? Or is it a place where real businesses globally will say, you know, we, we want to have do business in Bangkok, but we don't want to ha- pay for like a full office. Right. Should we just be at the hive? Do we take a floor there? Is that the better way and the more efficient way to do it? Because then if things don't work out, we don't have a lease or on a month-to-month thing. We just cancel. And if it does work out, well, then we use the sort of facilities that somebody else has paid for. And over time, they'll maintain them. We don't have to do any of that stuff. So the work, the co-working spaces or sort of the flexible office space is developing, I think, in the same way that the events are. They just become really targeted. Right, and that, I think that's a good evolving, thing. So it's right? very fast. Yeah, it's definitely evolving, and it's evolving quickly. And I think that I really am, there, there are plenty of places. I think I told you this. I was at an event in July, and um, you know, one of my favorite people, Cassandra, was telling me, you know, she runs a startup here, and she was saying, yeah, I work in a co-working space in Onut, right, or in Prakanong, and don't don't tell anybody about it. It's small; no one's there except for me. <laughs> um. And they have super high internet speeds and the coffee's really good. I can't remember what the other sort of parameters were. But don't tell anybody about it because this is the best new co-working space there is in Bangkok. And I think a bunch of these are sprouting up. And they don't have to be a place where 50 people can be. 10's enough. Maybe 15 is better. But, you know, like you said, it's evolving. And we don't know what they are. So it's the same type of thing. Add it in for us so we can know. And then maybe we can go try it out as well, right? If I'm in Bangkok, I can go look at it. Um you just want to find out what the best places are. Yeah, I mean, it's evolved so fast that your answers, it can be really important in this particular vote, will be really 
key to identifying, you know, what kind of trends in co-working should we be looking out for, right? I mean, just to put it into context, the whole remote working thing, we don't even talk about remote working so much. It, when we started out, people were talking about teleworking, right? Remember that? Right. I mean, you don't hear <laughs> that anymore, teleworking. I'm going to telecommute, <laughs> telecommute, right? It just shows you how far we've come, and that's even in just over 10 years, right? So co-working has rapidly evolved. And it'd be great to hear what your suggestions are. So put them in, you know, get your ideas into that poll number five. If you're a co-working space owner, get yourself in there and get your people to vote for it. I mean, if people who work at your co-working space love it, get them to vote so you can get some publicity. That's what it's all about. Yeah. And, you know, you asked, what do we want the end goal for this to be? I mean, theoretically, I'd love to do this for the next 10 years and just watch how things change. Right. In other words. In the end, 10 years from now, is a co-working space just going to be something that's you know run by ExxonMobil or something, or Apple just has co-working spaces everywhere in the world that double as Apple stores, right? We don't know how that's going to work. Hopefully, it won't, right? Hopefully, the Hive will still be there. Hopefully, Hubba will still be there, Launchpad, Workloft, all these places that we know about, but that they will have evolved as well and become sort of – they're all great today, but hopefully, they'll become better places to work, and if people keep voting on them – you know, maybe the the co-working spaces will learn what people need. That maybe they've fallen off a little bit. If they were the best in 2017, but if they weren't even on the vote in 2018, what have they done wrong? So that's poll number five. Lastly, but not leastly, poll six: media. So media being any of podcasts, websites, TV, YouTube, anything involved in covering, like we do the Asian tech startup ecosystem. And by the way, we're not on this list because it would just be too obvious no. if we were on the list. <laughs> and I don't know, we don't, might not necessarily win it, but, you know, it just wouldn't be right. I mean, our job's to promote no. other people, right? So media, what are we talking about here? What are we trying to do with this particular poll, Michael? Well, I mean, you could actually make the case that the Financial Times, in combination with the Nikkei and all the things that they're doing, is the best media that covers, you know, Asia in the tech space. You could make that case. But there's plenty other. There's small stuff, right? There's coconuts. There is there are there's, you know, startup sort of magazines, online magazines in Japan. There are plenty of offline stuff, right? Is it the Bangkok Post? What do they do to support stuff? And you know, it could be a television station. What are they doing? It could be you know, something that's developed at a co-working space. It could be anything. It could be Tech in Asia, E27, you know, we talked to Tim Romero from Disrupt Japan. There are plenty of um, possibilities, but we want to do the ones again. Like the media is just like the people who's having the most impact. Mm. And we talked about this earlier when we first introduced this concept. Like anybody can write a press release. I'm not. I'm not impressed. Right. So do more than that. Right. Yeah. And don't keep covering the same companies and the same founders and sort of the same venture capitalists. Like I don't want to hear. You know, the venture capitalist <clears throat> XYZ, you know, is the is the best VC just because they've made either the most investments or last year they made one investment that was really good, but you didn't cover the guys or the gals that made like four investments that were semi-good. Like just media is a really powerful tool. And I want to find out, and I think we owe it to people to find out who's using that tool in the best way to, again, promote the entire ecosystem. And it doesn't just have to be in one city. Although it can be. In other words, if you're based in Jakarta and you're media and you're doing a really good job and you're really killing it there, you know, you can win. Yeah. 
you can be the best. That's right. Right. But theoretically, I want it to be someone that's regional because I want to see somebody really taking a stand. And there are plenty of them out there, right? So there's a company, I and I I'm going to get this wrong, but it was called like 9 Seconds or 90 Seconds or whatever. They were creating sort of short videos a couple of years ago, and they were getting a lot of credit for doing this. So who are companies like that? They're creating media too. It doesn't just have to be like an online newspaper, an online magazine. Who's doing media that's really impactful? Yeah, exactly. Right. Who's making a difference? We'd love to know and celebrate anybody in the space who is helping grow this startup ecosystem. So whether they are podcasts, whether they are traditional media, online websites, and or YouTube stroke video channels everything it's all good it's all contributing so go to we're gonna we're gonna round up this podcast a little bit earlier than normal because we want you to go to asiatechpodcast.com slash rankings that's asiatechpodcast.com slash rankings and go and cast your vote five minutes is all it takes but it can make a huge difference to these companies or these people who could benefit from the publicity and it's a bit of fun as well so share it around so let your friends and buddies and colleagues know in the Asian tech ecosystem so they can get their voice heard as well. We've still got a bit of time. December the 31st is when we wrap this up. So there's a couple of months to go yet, but things will gather momentum and more and more people vote. So it's asiatechpodcast.com slash rankings. Michael, any last thoughts on the vote? Yeah, I just want to say one more time like what they are. So we want to get the best people in the ecosystem, right? And it's kind of a general category. But add somebody there if you don't see them there. We want to get the best city. Who's Where's the best place to have a startup? Where's the best place to build it from, right? Where's the best place to start up? And if you don't see a city, we've got a lot of cities on the list. But if you don't see your city there, if you don't see the city you love the best, put it in. The best venture capitalist. I think this is going to be a really interesting category for me, right? I have very specific things that I like to see in investors and VCs. And we only have four people there. We can add more, but I want you to add more. And I want you to vote and tell the people that, that love them or don't like them to vote as well. The best events, this is where the communities really get built. It can be big, it can be small, it can be something we've never heard of. But again, add that in and, and place your vote. Tell your friends to place their votes as well. The co-working spaces are important because that's where most of us do our work. Yep. Right? If you're in a specific city or you spend most of your time in a specific city, um, you're probably working at a co-working space. Tell us which one you think is the best. And then tell us the media you think is the best cover that does covers the entire region. It covers the whole ecosystem. And it gives you real information where you learn something when you either listen to them or read what they're doing or watch the videos that they're producing, right? Not just like, oh, yeah, I heard about that. And now they're just getting promoted. So those six categories, I think, are really important and indicative of what the entire ecosystem looks like. Go vote for them. Yep. Go vote at asiatechpodcast.com slash rankings vote for all or some of the categories you don't have to do all six whichever ones you want to and add the names as you feel fit and if you want to tweet some feedback you can tweet at hashtag ATP vote that's ATP vote and that will actually appear on our website as well so we'll be following that feed with interest that's Asia Tech Podcast this week we want to see how you get on with the rankings and we will update you on an ongoing basis with the latest in the Asia Tech Podcast Power Rankings 2017. Thank you, Michael. Thank you, Graham. Good stuff. You've been listening to Asia Tech Podcast. Find out more at www.asiatechpodcast.com.